Truth News Network. A political party is willing to crash an entire country just to get rid of one man. What are they so afraid of? And how come nobody's asking that question? Well, one man is. In the relentless pursuit of the truth, you've reached TNN, the Truth News Network. And here's the man asking the tough questions, Dan Newman. And we will not quit until we get the right answers. And that would be not just about one thing or two things or even a dozen things. There are a bunch of things that are happening in your government you don't know about. My government doesn't either. (laughs) I, I have no idea. Every day something new befuddles us because in many cases, most cases, it's the first time we ever heard about that. And boy, are we learning a lot today. Let me tell you what we have coming up on the show today. We have, I mean, we are shock full of things that are new that you're going to want to stick around. Make sure if you miss even part of the show, you come back later in the day or tonight and finish it off. You don't want to miss anything. Let me tell you some of the things we have here. You know that State of the Union message the other night by President Joe Biden, it was full of lies, full of gross misrepresentations. Now, yesterday, we talked about a few of those things, but every few hours, something new comes up, and we hear from fact finders, uh, well, Joe lied about that. We've got a whole list of, and you're going to hear them firsthand, of acts of plagiarism. Joe Biden plagiarizing other people in his State of the Union message. And let me tell you who some of those people are. The Kennedys, and you're not going to believe this, but Donald Trump (laughs) and Ron DeSantis. Our president, he's got a history, a long history of stealing speeches and segments of speeches from other people, but he just took it to another level. Really. And you know that new House Oversight Committee that was put together? They have started their business, and let me tell you what. As compared to previous House Oversight Committees run by Democrats, this Oversight Committee is going right for the juggler to get the facts of things that we've talked about for two years that it seemed were going on, being initiated by those in this administration and this Congress. And guess what? We were right. You're going to hear from two congressmen, well, one congressman, one congresswoman, both from Florida, from House Oversight Committee testimony. It's going to blow your mind. So we got a full day today. And so what do we need to do is maybe calm down a little bit, Dan, before we get started. I like to do that with a song. You know by now, that's what I like. And I'm a 70s, 80s guy and a few things out of the late 60s. But I really like harmony. I like soft smooth, soothing music, especially at certain times of the day, depending upon certain things that might be 
or might not be happening. This one, this put this group on the road to superstardom. You remember this? Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? Just like me, they long to be close to you. Why do stars fall down from the sky Every time you walk by Just like me, they long to be close to you On the day that you were born, the angels got together and decided to certainly not the music. James Posey, a great musician himself. He's a great drummer. We played for years together. He just sent me a text in this. Now, I got to be honest with you. James is a rocker. Oh my gosh. He loves rock music. I mean, real rock music. 
but he just sent me a text and said, I love the Carpenters. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, how's your day starting off? Are you just going nuts, just going crazy? Got so many things to do today. You just can't seem to get your day started. There are a lot of ways to help you do that, and I'm sure we all have our own way. Let me just tell you how Marianne and I get going. Whichever one of us gets up earlier, and that's usually me. I've been up since 4.30 this morning. Years ago, our daughter, who is a architect, actually does the inside designs for all kinds of buildings and homes. And she has her own company. She's just, I mean, in great demand. But years ago, she started putting what's called Mila coffee machines in high-end houses. And it's amazing what Mila machines will do. It's crazy. Water comes into the machine, and you push one button, and it grinds coffee beans that you pick, and it makes coffee. That is the most incredible coffee I've ever had. Now, I gave Marianna for Christmas, one for her, Oh my gosh, let me think when that happened. We moved into our house on the lake 2002, so probably Christmas 2003. So we created a habit then. The first one to get up goes and makes sure the machine's turned on and then starts brewing those cups of coffee. You can smell it throughout the house. And so whichever one of us gets up first goes and does that and takes the cup into the bedroom for the other. We started our days for more than a decade, almost two, actually two decades, doing that every day when we're at home. It's great to have some traditions in your house, in your family, and that's just one good one we have. And we've been doing that for Valentine's Day. will be 48 years we've been married. That just proves one thing that I've been trying to convince you of for four years here at TNN Live. What's that, Dan? What are you trying to prove? Then I'm a really good guy. (laughs) For those of you that know me, you know I like to pick, and I am a kidder, and I'm not one of those guys that thinks he is the end of the world. I promise you that's not what I think. Well, where do we need to get doing today? Just a, just a few little notes about the State of the Union message. Biden's SOTU, that's what we journalists abbreviate, State of the Union address. How many people looked in? Who really wanted to know what Joe Biden thought about the State of the Union? Numbers were released yesterday. Second smallest audience in 30 years took the time to watch the State of the Union. An estimated 27.3 million people tuned in. 27.3 million. And we have 340 million people here. Hmm. 28% from the 38.2 million who listened to his speech a year ago. So he's down 11 million people that care to hear what he has to say in one year. Nearly three-quarters of viewers were people in our age group, 55 and older. 
Associated Press reports the only smaller audience since 1993 was the 26.9 million who watched his address to Congress in 2021. That wasn't officially a State of the Union speech. His largest audience came on Fox News Channel. Think about that. That's a cable news channel, not one of the big broadcast channels. And Fox was number one. Five million approximately listened on Fox. Where were the other ones? Well, ABC had 4.1 million. NBC had 3.7 million. CBS, 3.6 million. MSNBC, 3.5, CNN, 2.4. How about that? According to CNN survey, 72% reported feeling at least somewhat positive about Biden's speech. And of those, 38% felt very positive. Now that's CNN. Who watches CNN? Hardcore leftists. Well, there's a lot that happened in that speech. One of the big ones was Joe Biden actually said that Republicans want to sunset Social Security and Medicare. In other words, do away with them. And in the House, when he said that, they just broke up booing, hollering at him, saying he was lying, basically. Well, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy criticized the president for doing that in a Fox & Friends interview yesterday. McCarthy accused Biden of deliberately misrepresenting critical aspects of the GOP's legislative agenda while he failed to take responsibility for his failed border policy. And, of course, that escalating, as he says, fentanyl, which is wrong. It's fentanyl, F-E-N-T-A-N-Y-L. Joe won't take responsibility for him being the one almost single-handedly that has opened the borders and letting all this fentanyl come across our southern border. McCarthy, as you know, the House Speaker sits behind the President during the State of the Union address, as does the Vice President. Vice President Kamala Harris, she described a highly partisan speech aimed at fomenting frustration on the part of GOP lawmakers in the audience, some of who reacted with catcalls, crying out liar to those remarks concerning what Biden or Republicans' plans to sunset Social Security and Medicare. I thought it was one of the most partisan State of the Union speeches I've ever heard. It was an honor to be able to sit there, but it was like having a a very good seat at a bad sporting event. This is McCarthy speaking. I was hopeful that he would have a conversation like he and I had in the Oval Office a week ago. But it was so partisan, and the frustration that I felt, you heard from people out in the audience. Some of my Republican friends, McCarthy said, want to take the economy hostage. I get it, unless I agree to their economic plans. All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority, the president said. Loud cries of liar 
from several GOP members out in the audience. That prompted the president to say that anyone who doubted the truth should contact his office. McCarthy said, the president was trying to goad the members. The members are passionate about it. But the one thing the president was saying is something that he knew was not true. I just spent an hour with him. I've said many times before, Social Security and Medicare are off the table, McCarthy insisted. I've heard Kevin McCarthy in speeches to the press since he became House Speaker and even before. We have no desire to touch Social Security and Medicare to do anything that's going to hurt the particular things that Social Security and Medicare do for our seniors. He's trying to play politics with the debt ceiling by not negotiating, by lying about our position. I want to be sensible. I want to sit down and work through this problem. Because look, the Democrats raised the highest debt ceiling ever, and they blew through it in the shortest amount of time. Now they want to come right back to it. Prices are up more than 13%. We've got 4.5 million people who crossed our border illegally. He added $800 billion to the debt, and he acted like none of that transpired. Well, well, well. Of course, a lot of other folks didn't quite see it that way. (laughs) As you can imagine, at least they don't want to admit they saw it that way. So, I've said this on this show before numerous times. It seems like politicians forget there's YouTube out there, there's Google out there, and that every word that we ever say publicly, every speech we make, it's out there forever. And guess what? Biden got busted the other night. While he was still a senator for Delaware, he introduced legislation that would sunset, in other words, fade out every federal spending program, including Social Security and Medicare. He did it in 1975. He was in Congress then, and he put forward a bill requiring every federal program to close. In other words, When you put a law on the books, a spending law, at the end of four years, it just goes away. When he was pushing that bill as a senator, here's what he said. Quote, it requires every program to be looked at it freshly at least once every four years. The examination is not just of the increased cost of the program, but the worthiness of the entire program. He said that back in 75. He doubled down on his legislation in the 90s, saying on the Senate floor that his bill would affect Social Security. When I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans' benefits. I meant every single solitary thing in the federal government, he said. And I not only tried it once, I tried it twice, I tried it a third time, and I tried it a fourth time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. 
I, let me let me just say this. You know that he didn't write the speech that he gave. He never writes a speech that he gives. They won't let him. He may write one, but they're certainly not going to put it on his teleprompter. Let me t- let me just tell you what I think, and maybe in small part, but I think it definitely happened. Whoever the speech writers, and there are always several involved in putting a big speech, especially a State of the Union address together for any president. I think they may have the other night, maybe Friday night, they're working late, working on the State of the Union address. And they're sitting around an office and they're going over the specific pieces, the parts that each of them have been assigned to prepare. And at one point, maybe midnight, they said, look, we got to have some beers. So somebody goes to the little refrigerator under their desk in their office and grabs a couple of six packs, comes back. They start popping them two or three beers into it. One of them said, you know what? We ought to sneak a few things in here. We don't want him to run again in 2024. We want to sunset him, but we can't do it. We can't say anything. So maybe just maybe we need to very, very stealthily slip in a few things here that most voters don't know that he's done and said in the past and make it look like he doesn't remember. And he's got a bunch of baggage in his past, so why don't we disclose a little bit of it? Let me ask you this. Why the heck do you think anybody that has any integrity and any devotion to this president or any president would put in a speech, write in a speech to get the biggest speech of the year for any president and put a bunch of lies in there that they knew people out there would realize they weren't true and that the president was speaking lies. I think these speechwriters are part of a big group of Democrats in the, the, the Biden administration that don't want Joe to even run in 94. Senator Rick Scott of Florida, he accused Biden of lying about his legislative plans in a Wednesday statement. It's telling that Joe Biden, the statement says, used his State of the Union speech to lie about Scott's plan. If Biden had a single accomplishment to speak of, he wouldn't have to lie about me. I don't have a bill to cut Social Security and Medicare, but Joe Biden does. Biden said, stand up and show seniors We will not cut Social Security. We will not cut Medicare. And after the speech, just 39% say the State of the Union is strong. 39%. Now, in comparison, that's down 16 points since 2018. Who was in office? who had been in office two years, just as Joe has been in office two years. 
and compare the differences in the way you and your fellow Americans felt at the midterm State of the Union speech that Donald Trump gave in 2018 and Joe Biden gave this week. Down 16 points. People, Americans, think that the State of the Union is down 16 points. Now let me ask you this. Are the American people stupid? Are they too stupid to believe and understand and see exactly how good things are? No, they're not too stupid to think that. In fact, they're far more brilliant than is this president. You know why? Because they don't live in a big bubble. They have to pay bills. They have to pay for groceries and gasoline. And if they're going to go to the movies, they're paying exorbitant fees there too. And when they go to their favorite restaurant, not only does it cost a fortune more to pay for it, they can't hardly get any service because servers are nearly impossible to get at good restaurants. And all of that, every bit of that, every bit of that is due to the policies of Joe Biden. Oh, let's throw in a little bit of blame for, you know, the Democrats in Congress. They're the ones that have agreed with him on many of these things they put in place over the last two years that are starving people to death and have totally changed drastically our lifestyles. And they've made this damage happen to you and me in two years. From Krakow to Grand Island, Milan to Hanoi, this is TNN, the Truth News Network. People think unusual circumstances means complicated taxes. But for a TurboTax Live expert like me, it just makes things interesting. So, give us everything you've got. What if I'm a professional gamer with a ton of expenses? If they help drive views, let's talk deductions. What if I'm in a state with no income tax, but my survival videos are viewed in 38 countries? I can help. And if this is a business dinner, save those jerky receipts. An interesting life can mean an even greater refund. You do your thing. We've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. Holidays abroad. Can we? Can't we? But then we thought, should we? Staycation! We could share a year. Please, no. Luckily, we've picked British Airways holidays. Small deposit and can change if we need to. Decision made. Moonlight skinny dipping. (laughs) We've booked St. Lucia. Two weeks. Did you? Why didn't we? Ah, clever you. British Airways holidays. Adult protected. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theatre proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the... I I smell, uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, You mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. 
Big Hot Pastrami available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. This brand new Congress, they are in full gear in the House of Representatives. Kevin McCarthy, House Speaker, he was very prepared. When it came time to start their business in January, they had mapped out, I mean, all kinds of things that they were going to do. They had all the documentation done. Congressman Mike Johnson from Louisiana on this show, before the before the Congress took over January 3rd, he here gave us an outline of many of the things that they had already prepared. One of them is the new House Oversight Committee who bears responsibility for making sure every part of the government, every part of the Biden administration, every single thing has their stuff together and is doing what they are supposed to do, House Oversight. Now, what does that mean, House Oversight? Well, it means making sure that every part of every every agency in the government, doesn't matter which one it is, and oh, by the way, they also make sure they, their fellow Congress members, are doing the right things. That the FBI, the CIA, they're all doing what they're supposed to do. And if they're not, they have the power to make the good things, the right things be done and to expose to the American people all of the wrongdoing going on. So one of the big things this committee is up to is looking into the ills of big tech and censorship of Americans. There are two Florida members on that committee, Anna Luna, a Republican from Florida, and Byron Donald, a Republican from Florida. Both of them yesterday, when they had the executives social media giant executive sitting in front of them. You know the name Yoel Roth? Yoel Roth? He was the so-called truth arbiter at Twitter. He was the big guy that took over all of that. Well, Yoel Roth, he got nailed to the wall yesterday. I want you to hear two segments. The first will be from Anna Luna as I told you, a Republican from Florida, and she drills Yoel Roth. Listen to her, listen to what she maintains, and the evidence that she appears, she shows everybody to back up the questions that she had for Yoel Roth, and listen to his answers. Mr. Roth? Mr. Roth, um, have you communicated with government officials ever on a platform called JIRA? Yes or no? Real quick answer. We're on the clock. Not yes to no? the best of my recollection. Not no. to your recollection? Great. Have, if you did in the event communicate, who would have had access to this platform? That's the nature of my confusion. Okay. Jira is did you ever speak to government officials on JIRA regarding taking down social media posts? 
Again, not to the best of my recollection. Can you explain to me why the federal government would ever have interest in communicating through JIRA, mind you, a private cloud server with social media companies without oversight to censor American voices? I want to let you know that this is a violation of the First Amendment, and the federal government is colluding with social media companies to censor Americans. Mr. Chairman, I ask for unanimous consent to submit these graphics into record. And Mr. Roth, I'm going to refresh your memory for you. This flowchart behind me. Thank you, Chair. Um, this flowchart shows the following federal agencies, social media companies, Twitter, leftist nonprofits, and organizations communicating regarding their version of misinformation using Jira, a private cloud server. On this chart, I want to annotate that the Department of Homeland Security, which has the following branches, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, also known as CISA, Countering Foreign Intelligence Task Force, now known as the Misinfo, Disinfo, and Malinformation, MDM. This was, again, used against the American people. The Election Partnership Institute, or Election Integrity Partnership, EIP, which includes the following, Stanford Internet Observatory, University of Washington Center for Informed Public, Graphica, and Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab, and potentially, according to what we found on the final report by EIP, the DNC. The Center for Internet Security, CIS, a nonprofit funded by DHS, the National Association of Secretaries of State, also known as NASS, and the National Association of State Election Directors, NASED. And in this case, because there are other social media companies involved, Twitter. What do all of these groups, though, have in common? And I'm going to, again, refresh your memory. They were all communicating on a private cloud server known as JIRA. Now, the screenshot behind, uh, screenshot behind me, which is an example of one of thousands, shows on November 3rd, 2020, that you, Mr. Roth, a Twitter employee, were exchanging communications on JIRA, a private cloud server, with CISA, NASS, NASD, NASED and Alex Stamos, who now works at Stanford and is a former security, of, um, security officer at Facebook to remove a posting. Do you now remember communicating on a private cloud server to remove a posting? Yes or no? I wouldn't agree with the characterization. I don't care if you agree. This, Do you, this, is, this is your stuff. Yes or no, did you communicate with a private entity the government agency on a private cloud server, yes or no? The question was if I could. Yes or no? Yeah, I'm on time. Yes or no? Ma'am, I don't believe I can give you a yes or no. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that you did, and we have proof of it. This, ladies and gentlemen, is joint action between the federal government and a private company to censor and violate the First Amendment. This is also known, and I'm so glad that there's many attorneys on this panel, joint state actors. It's highly illegal. You are all engaged in this action, and I want you to know that you will be all held accountable. Ms. Gaddy, are you still on CISA's Cybersecurity Advisory Council? Yes or no? Yes, I am. Okay. For those who have said that this is a pointless hearing, and I just want to let you guys all know, we found that Twitter was indeed communicating with the federal government to censor Americans. I'd like to remind you that this was all in place before January 6th. So to say that these mechanisms weren't in place and to make it about January 6th, I want to let you know that you guys were actually in control of all of the content, and clearly we have proof of that. Now, if you don't think that this is important to your constituents and the American people from those saying that this was a pointless hearing, I suggest you find other jobs. Chairman, I yield my time. Do you agree that Representative Anna Luna, she's a bulldog. She was right on. She went after Joel Roth, and she wasn't up there pontificating politically. 
based upon a Republican perspective. She talked about things that are part of law. And also, think about the interaction that she showed actually happened. There was a large formal relationship between the government and big tech, social media giants, Twitter, Facebook, and the others. And they were doing it specifically to censor the free speech of Americans that posted on these websites. And during the Obama-Biden administration, those eight years, social media took off. The reason it took off was at the very beginning, big tech came and sat down in front of Congress and said, look, we're little private companies. We're allowing people to put their opinions out there And we cannot be held liable for everything these posters put out there. If we are, we'll go broke. And what did the Biden and Obama administration do to help them out? Section 230, you've heard that mentioned again and again. What does it do? Listen to this. Any content that is posted on any of these social media sites is protected from liability The social media giant is protected from any liability for anything that is posted because the media giants, they're just a place for them to express their opinions. It's not the opinions of the media giants. And so we, the American people, through our representatives in Congress, we indemnified Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, We indemnified them against having any liability. In other words, if you were going to sue YouTube for allowing something to be put up there that was patently false and derogatory about you that hurt you in a real way measurably, you couldn't sue whoever put the video up there on YouTube. You couldn't sue YouTube. You had to sue the federal government, which meant they were protected in every In every way, we had no recourse and we still today, until that's changed at the congressional level, we have no recourse. They're not liable for what they do and what they stop from being done and posted. Wow. I'm going to point something out. This is the new Congress, the Kevin McCarthy led Congress that's doing this. Why didn't it happen previously? Because it was unknown. We did not have any way to look into it during the four years of the Trump administration. There was no congressional committee that was put together. Byron Donalds, African-American, this is his second trip as a member of the House from Florida, he got into it about a Hunter Biden laptop. And again, Yoel Roth was his target. For five minutes. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Real quick, Mr. Roth, um, you've stated already that uh, what happened with the, the New York Post story was similar to 
the hack and leak scenarios from 2016. You also said that you've, you actually were opposed to deleting the New York Post uh, story. Uh, who advocated for the removal of the New York Post story? The company's decision to treat it as a violation. Mr. Roth, who at the company actually went over your recommendation? Because you're pretty high up. Who overrode you? The decision was communicated to me by my direct supervisor. Who was that person? Her name was Del Harvey. She okay. was the vice president of trust and safety at the time. All right, thank you so much. Uh, Ms. Gaddy, real quick, you said uh, to the chairman earlier, and, and, and I wanna paraphrase what I heard earlier, is that Twitter had no contact with anybody from the Biden team. Is that correct to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. Put that up for me. Okay, over my right shoulder, we have an email. Reference, this is, this is Saturday, October 24th, uh, 5.39 p.m., referencing five different tweets this is a, a, with a Twitter email chain. Under the line, it's more to review from the Biden team. Does anybody have a comment on how much interaction was happening with the Biden team at Twitter with respect to tweets that they wanted Twitter to review? Ms. Gaddy, Mr. Roth? I'm not familiar with this email. So you're not familiar with this email, Mr. Roth? Are you familiar with this email? Only from what's been reported in the Twitter files. Had you, did you ever have contact with anybody from the Biden team? No, sir, I did not. We explicitly separated the teams that would interact with campaigns from teams like mine that were responsible for content moderation. How big was the organization in Twitter that was actually working with campaigns? I couldn't say for sure. Did you ever have any contact with the DNC? Directly? No, I did not. Did anybody at Twitter have any contact with anybody at the DNC? I think it's likely that somebody at Twitter did, yes. In these, in these emails, it's listed that these are, these are tweets that hate to be flagged from the Biden team. That's what's in the files. Um, you have no idea how many people actually interfere, in, uh, engage with the Twitter team or how frequently that engagement happened. No, and again, that was by design. We kept those functions separate from content moderation so that we could impartially assess reports like this. Do you know how many tweets were actually flagged and taken down at the behest of the Biden team? I wouldn't agree with the characterization of it as being at the behest of them. These tweets were reported, and Twitter independently evaluated them under its but the, rules. But the, but the email is very clear. More to review from Biden team. The response three hours later at the bottom, hold this up real quick so we can see. The request at the bottom, it says, handled these. What does handled these mean? My understanding is that these tweets contained non-consensual nude photos of Hunter Biden, and they were removed by the company under... Hold on, real quick, concern. Mr. Roth. How could you know so much about the content of these tweets? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, these are just web addresses. I don't know what's in these tweets. You have these things committed to memory that you know the content, but you don't know who you, call, who you talk to at the Biden team? Sir, I didn't meet with the Biden team, but there was extensive public reporting about these tweets specifically that uncovered what they you were. You know the contents of the tweets. I, it was obviously at Twitter. But you have no idea how often people who worked in your organization had with the Biden team during the end of the 2020 presidential elections? I would emphasize that the people who interfaced with the campaigns were not part of my team or organization. I would know what the interactions were if they were on my team. It was a different part of the organization, not mine. Let me ask you a separate question, and I'll ask it of, of you too, Mr. Baker. Have you guys been able to quantify the amount of in-kind contributions associated with taking down the New York Post story? Because the New York Post story was down for two weeks. 
give or take. Do you have, do you have any uh, understanding of how, how much that story was limited by Twitter and also by other social media companies? What the impact of an in-kind contribution that would be to the Joe Biden presidential election in 2020? I don't know the answer to that question, sir. Do you think it's big? I don't know the answer. Do you think it's more than a maximum contribution to a campaign? I don't. I wouldn't want to speculate. Would you call it 25,000? I don't know the answer to that question. 100,000? Sir, I don't know the answer to the question. A million? I don't know the answer to the question. Do you think Twitter would be in violation of uh, federal election laws with the size of an in-kind contribution to take down a story, which is true, by the way, because you guys thought you knew something with limited information? I'm not going to speculate on that uh, sitting here today, sir. I try to give or try to propound a legal analysis of uh, election laws. I'll yield back. Gentleman yields back. Chair recognizes. It's interesting. Big tech, social media giants have never been held accountable. But they all got in bed with the Democrat Party and members of the administration. In other words, it wasn't just the Democrat Party. It was the White House. Think about that. Think about that. What kind of changes could you orchestrate if you could control the content of Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube? If you could pick and choose which posters would have their content not seen and which would. And you could determine why. So just on your own, you didn't have to have a reason. That's what our government gave to big tech identification. You go ahead and censor them, do whatever you want to. And by the way, every once in a while, we're going to send you some information about some of these posts that we think are disinformation and you shouldn't let them appear. They had a department at Twitter, an entire department that was devised and was implemented and operating in cahoots with people in the administration. They were going back and forth on all kinds of content on Twitter. Let's talk for a second about YouTube. Let me tell you a story. Back in the beginning of truthnewsnet.org, our daily news site, back at the very beginning of it, I would, and this was a joke we had in our house, we would post a story, some that I wrote, some that our contributors wrote, and at some point, weeks, maybe a few months later, something came up in research that I was doing, and the topic that I was looking for, it had been mentioned in a previous story here, but I'd forgotten that particular segment had been in one of our stories. So I'm doing a Google search, going up looking for information. And I type in what I'm looking for, and guess what popped up? Truthnewsnet.org is a source for some information about that. And several times it happened, 
I didn't catch that it was truthnewsnet.org before I clicked on that search product and found out indeed it was, and we had a good laugh about it. But you know what? That went on for months, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. Never saw truthnewsnet.org pop up on any internet search. Guess what was going on exactly what you just heard? Censorship without formally doing a censorship thing. Algorithm at YouTube, it just put us way down at the bottom of the heap on any type of search that would be regarding any specific things that someone in the administration didn't want us to be a source. One of the very first ones was an interview we did with Dr. Judy Mikovits. You know who she is. She really is a foremost expert on infectious diseases. She worked hand-in-hand in the 90s in the first decade of this century with Dr. Anthony Fauci in research, research on AIDS, looking for a cure, looking for a vaccine. And in the middle of all of that, there was a bunch of lab research that was going on, and it wasn't just about AIDS. It was about all kinds of infectious diseases. She wrote a paper that included a lot of research findings that she had done on her own in research, although she was working at the NAIAD, which Anthony Fauci was heading up as part of the National Institutes of Health. And when a a doctor, a physician, a scientist, when they do a vast research project on something and they find out all these things that are important to the American people, they'll put a search together, uh, a, a document together, a research analysis that gets published. And when it gets published, there's a whole lot of money involved in that research paper and its results, and that always comes back to who the author is. I mean, it's just like writing a novel. When Dr. Mikovits got ready to do that, and it was going to be a blockbuster, Fauci came to her and demanded she give that research, that entire project, give it to him because he was going to let an associate of his publish it in his name. And she refused to do it. And he kept pressing. She kept denying she was going to let it go. It was hers. One night in the middle of the night, the front door of their home was broken down and boot, booted thugs, black, all the helmets on, automatic rifles, No notices on any uniforms of who they were, just black. They came in, they took her and her husband, tied them up, handcuffed them to chairs, and they ransacked their home. They went through a particular part of the house that had a private safe in it. They broke open the safe, and sure enough, that research paper was in there. They took, and they took her put her in the back of this van, big van, like you see on television, had no markings on it, and they took her away. 
She had no idea where they put her. It was in a jail cell somewhere, but it was out in the middle of nowhere. And they kept her there for days. She had no contact with anybody on the outside, no phone calls. Nobody in her family knew where they were, where she was. And finally, they came to her. She didn't even know who it was. They sat down and they told her that she was going to be kept away from everybody locked up for the rest of her life unless she relented and turned over that paper. She had no option. She couldn't let that happen. And she cut a deal. She signed a gag order that for 10 years she could not speak to anybody about it. It's a long story, but I wanted you to understand the context. In May of 2021, remember, COVID began in late January. It didn't really get it kicked into high gear in the United States until May. Her gag order ended. A week and a half after her gag order expired, truthnewsnet.org's TNN Live, you're listening to it right now, was the first place she came. An hour and 45 minutes, we spoke to her, and she unloaded everything about Dr. Anthony Fauci regarding what was going to happen, what he was going to say, what he was going to demand of the American people as it pertains to COVID-19. All of the things that you and I listened to, we questioned the lies that were debunked by numerous people, including us, that came out of Dr. Fauci's mouth. She told us in advance. Those were the things he was going to say. Everything about masking, getting vaccines when they were developed, lockdowns, she predicted every part of it. And you can go back in the annals of TNN Live and you can pick that show up from May of 2021. This is the kind of stuff that happens in our government and it's now being exposed. How big, how bad is our government? What do they know that we don't know? What are they keeping from you and I? What else are they keeping from you and I? I got to be honest with you. It's scary to me to think that the people, the people we trust in every way, we send them, we ask them to go to Washington, D.C. and serve. In the House, serve two years representing their congressional district where they live, with their fellow citizens. And then for six years, every member of the Senate that represent each of the 50 states. So they're supposed to be serving us, and on the most part, that's not happening. Let me just give you a little tidbit about what I just talked to you about. Last month, three scientists pointed out Flu shots barely work at all and couldn't be approved based on the standard used for vaccines like measles. 
After more than 60 years of experience with influenza vaccines, very little improvement in vaccine prevention of infection has been noted. Our best approved influenza vaccines would be inadequate for licensure for most other vaccine preventable diseases. That's what these doctors wrote. Several rigorous papers have proven that flu shots are placebos. In other words, they're not even real. They're not even medicine. They're masquerading as public policy. But the same scientist then compared our beloved and groundbreaking COVID vaccines to those pointless flu jabs. As variant SARS-CoV-2 strains have emerged, deficiencies in these COVID vaccines, reminiscent of influenza vaccines, have become apparent, these scientists wrote. Three scientists. Just who are these vicious anti-vax rebels? Three researchers at the National Institutes of Health, including one whose name may ring a bell, the now-retired Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, wait a minute. When did all this happen? Last month. I'll say it again. Three researchers at the National Institutes for Health including Dr. Anthony Fauci, last week said this, as variant SARS-CoV-2 strains have emerged, deficiencies in these COVID vaccines, reminiscent of influenza vaccines, have become apparent. Previously, they said regarding influenza vaccine, quote, after more than 60 years, of experience with influenza vaccines, very little improvement in vaccine prevention of infection has been noted. Our best approved influenza vaccines would be, today, inadequate for licensure for most other vaccine-preventable diseases. The COVID flu shot comparison is only one of the article's bombshells. At its core, the piece raises a question of whether any vaccines can ever work well enough to matter against bugs like common coronavirus, influenza, and even RSV. That question, it hides an even more troubling one. One the authors do not ask Here it is. Have our efforts to beat SARS-CoV-2 by driving our immune response in ways it was not designed to go caused dangers that we were only just now beginning to understand? Anthony Fauci was one of those three. Anthony Fauci was right up in the front of the development of of the influenza, the flu vaccines. Remember, he was right at the forefront of the first vaccine for AIDS that didn't work and it killed people. 
He was at the forefront of the development of COVID-19 vaccines. In fact, it's rumored and he has never denied that he has a financial stake in the Moderna vaccine for COVID. Anthony Fauci, remember? He was portrayed to all of us, 330 million Americans, as the foremost expert on COVID-19 research for vaccines. We had to listen to everything he said. It was all truthful. But guess what? It wasn't. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the Bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. Hello? Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah, uh, the instructions say that. What now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to GetSomeNuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Wow, that that's a blockbuster revelation, don't you think? Fauci's out there saying, well, you know what? None of these things, none of these vaccines can kill these bugs, these viruses. And probably all of the flu vaccines that have been out there and are out there shouldn't even be allowed to be presented as a real fix for the flu. And now COVID-19. Have you heard that, what I just told you from anybody else? Ask yourself that question. No, you haven't heard it. I haven't heard it. Where did I find it? It was from a little research site that what they do is every bit of medical certification news that comes out regarding medications, they cover it. 
That's what they do. That's their slot. And because it's not published what you just heard on any of the big networks or any of the big newspapers, very few people know about it, but you do. That, what I gave you, is fact. You can make book on it. Now, let's get back. Just another little tidbit from um, Joe Biden in the State of Union address. He talked about the new jobs things. We've heard him. He said it over and over and again. And he just repeated himself in the State of Union address. I've created in my administration 12 million new jobs. That's more than any other president in history has done in the first two years of an administration. He said it over, he's doubling, tripling down on it. And it ain't true. Talking of Pinocchio, President Biden claimed 12 million new jobs were created under his watch. Watch this. Two years ago, the economy was reeling. I stand here tonight after we've created, with the help of many people in this room, 12 million new jobs. More jobs created in two years than any president's created in four years because of you all, because of the American people. Okay, uh, but according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the president actually created 2.7 million new jobs. The other roughly 9 million have been lost during the pandemic. Hmm, minor detail, right? Stephen Moore joins me now. Good morning, Stephen. I mean, Hi, you know, we've heard these uh, we've heard these claims kicked around before. What's your response? Well, <clears throat> look, we lost uh, millions and millions of jobs during COVID, and obviously those jobs came back. It is absolutely false. I'm going to quote my good friend Larry Kudlow here that that the economy <laughs> was in a free fall when Biden came into office. In fact, in the last six months before. Biden came into office, the economy grew, are you ready for this, Ashley, by 10.7%. So the economy was on a huge upswing when Biden came into office. Don't forget, a week after the election was when they announced the vaccine, thanks to Operation Warp Speed, which is what unlocked the doors of opening up our businesses again. You know, I wrote a piece in the New York Post on Monday predicting there would be six lies in the Biden speech. And I think I got five out of the six. I may have missed one. But, you know, the uh, <laughs> the uh, you know, you're looking at that list. He says he's bringing out. Let's yeah. let's just take the gas prices. The gas price was two fifty nine a gallon, around two fifty to two fifty nine a gallon when Biden took office. It skyrocketed. Remember when we were talking about five dollar a gall- gallon gasoline and it's come down to three fifty a gallon. But if my math is right, uh, Ashley, isn't that still a dollar more per gallon? Let, let me yep. just give you another one that really sticks in my craw. He keeps talking about how he's reduced the deficit by $1.4 trillion. He right. said that again last night. Now, I just want to make sure uh, you know the, the viewers understand this. When Biden came into office, the first thing he did was raise the debt uh, by $2.8 trillion in his first year in office. Then in his, that, by the way, that was an all-time high, Ashley. Then the second year, last year, we only raised the deficit by $1.4 trillion. That's $4 trillion in two years. And now he's claiming, oh, I reduced the deficit by $1.4 trillion. <laughs> Ashley, that would be like saying if you went on a diet and then the first year you gained 40 pounds and the second year you gained 20 pounds and then you, and then you run around saying, look, I lost 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't let the facts get in the way of a good headline, as they say in the news business. Steve Moore, terrific stuff. 
and you're quite the prognosticator. You got yeah, all I got of those five points out of, five out of six. Right five, out of six. five out of six is, I oh, take it. Impressive. Steve, thanks so much. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, he continues to kind of shock us. He announced yesterday he's going to require our government, every government infrastructure project, every single one, to utilize only American-made products. And, of course, that came during the State of Union address. Despite seeming to indicate disagreement on some issues, both Republicans and Dems applauded when Biden announced that new standard. The push to use American materials is one part of the plan announced by Biden to strengthen the economy. Now think about it. Here's what he claimed. On my watch, American roads, American bridges, and American highways will be made with American products. Now, Put it in perspective of what he has done. That infrastructure bill, it's more than a year old. How many wonderful projects out there, federal government, working on American roads, American bridges, and American highways. One infrastructure project, one, has been completed. One. Wasn't on any highways. Wasn't on any bridges. It was a heated sidewalk in a little town up in the Northeast. One. During his comments, he touted his work to increase jobs, assist in economic growth two years ago. Our economy was reeling, he said. As I stand here tonight, we've created a record 12 million new jobs. You just heard absolute ball face lie. More jobs created in two years than any other president has ever created in four years. Two years ago, COVID had shut down our businesses, closed our schools, and robbed us of so much. He said he has an economic plan that's about investing in places and people that have been forgotten. Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you how stupid it is to make a claim that only government, American government infrastructure projects, only American-made products can be used. We won't have any infrastructure projects if the demand by the government is only to use 100% American-made products. Think about it. Road equipment, road materials, building materials like steel. How much of that is produced 100% in the United States? Guess a percentage. There's not an exact number out there because it varies from state to state the availability, based on the availability of American-made material, equipment, and elements that are being used. The real percentage that is even possible varies between the low side 15%, the high side 35 That's what experts are saying. But boy, 
Didn't those speechwriters make the president look good by telling us that? <laughs> We've got one more audio segment that I'm going to bring to you in just a little bit. You want to hang around for it. It's, it's hilarious. It's so revealing and so goofy. You won't believe our president did the things that you're going to hear about. So don't go away. We've got roughly 38 minutes left in the show. We'll get to it in the next half hour. But let's move on to some other stuff. we got a new Congress. we got a new senator from Ohio, J.D. Vance, a Republican. Yesterday, he slammed the Biden administration, go figure, for not producing a full cross-cutting report. Cross-cutting report. I've not ever heard it stated that way. But anyway... It was a promised, expected, and demanded cross-cutting report on Ukraine funding for Congress. In other words, the administration's got to provide that to Congress. They gave them a deadline, and they missed it. They haven't provided it. And Senator Vance is calling for the president to produce an immediate plan that would end the Ukraine conflict and also benefit American national security interests. Here's what he said. Over a month ago, Congress appropriated billions in additional security assistance for the war in Ukraine. When the president signed that bill into law, he pledged that his administration would deliver a report detailing our financial commitment to this conflict. Now that's Vance speaking. However, as the Buckeye State Senator noted, President Biden's administration flagrantly ignored its own obligation to transparency by not providing the report on time. He was talking about a letter that he led with a group of House and Senate lawmakers sent to the White House Office of Management and Budget requesting a full cross-cutting report that includes U.S. government-wide expenditures for Ukraine and countries, other countries impacted by the situation in Ukraine, all that money since February 24th of last year. The Office of Management and Budget failed to share a report with Congress and the American people on time by Tuesday's deadline, February 7th. So with this declaration, his statement stated that Biden must lay out a clear plan for ending the conflict in a way that advances our national security interest before spending another taxpayer dollar in Ukraine. No more blank checks. It's past time for the president to tell the American people how this comes to an end. Additionally, following Ukraine getting at least $114 billion now in funding since last year, and the U.S., On top of that, sending supplies to Ukraine, U.S. lawmakers have started sounding alarms about how the U.S. defense industrial base will soon face challenges in replenishing supplies of certain types of weapons. A report published by the Center for Strategic and International Studies indicated our nation could run out of critical weapons for us such as long-range precision-guided munitions, within a week of the start of the war in the Taiwan Strait. Roll Call noted the report, by the way, 
it looks like there is going to be a war between China and Taiwan in that little slip of water between mainland China and Taiwan. Roll call. Here's what they said about the report. This report stresses that USA to Ukraine is not the problem in and of itself since a war in the Indo-Pacific would largely require different types of weapons. But the sheer number of munitions required to sustain Ukraine, where the U.S. is not even actively involved, clarifies how quickly stockpiles could be depleted if another war broke out. This international security program director, Seth Jones, he wrote this report, noted, the war in Ukraine has shown us our industrial base is not prepared. It's not producing the kinds of munitions and material we need for a conventional war, for conventional deterrence. So you know it's a wake-up call. Now, let me throw some water on all this. Do you remember the name Dunstan Tao? T-A-O, Dunstan, D-U-N-S-T-O-N. He's been on this show now three times. In fact, we're going to go to another break in a minute. In the break, I'll go look up the date of the TNN live broadcast where he made this revelation. Oh, by the way, let me tell you, for those of you that weren't here, Dunstan Teo is a close friend of mine. He holds more Bitcoin than any other person on earth. He owns it. He was at Bitcoin at the very beginning. He is a tech internet scientist guru besides being a multi-billionaire. He's a great Christian man. He came on our show, I guess, I know it was last month. I forget the part of the month it was. It was right about the time that uh, Sam, whatever his name in, FTX, the young kid that was a multi-billionaire, it turned out he busted and stole, took millions of dollars of people's money in the FTX debacle. Sam Brinkman Freed, I got it. Is it Brickman or Brinkman? It's one of the two. His mother was, I'm not sure if she still is, CFO of the Clinton Foundation. As it turns out, Dunstan reported, and it has not been reported anywhere else. So what I'm telling you is exactly what Dunstan said. And if you go back and listen to that show that I'll find the date, you'll know exactly what Dunstan has been through through his professional career. He's probably the most educated cryptocurrency person on the planet. And he's honest. He is. A huge chunk of the money, every dime, by the way, of the cash, I don't know when it began and when it stopped, but before the FTX scandal broke, every dollar of Ukraine funding that had gone to supposedly Ukraine was sent in cryptocurrency. Why is that? Because banking right now, as you can imagine, in Ukraine's a little bit splintered. And so it was sent in cryptocurrency. But Dunstan reported a big chunk of that never showed up at Ukraine. And even some of it that went to Ukraine 
ended up being sent to other quote-unquote places and groups and people. And just about everybody that currently is in power in our government and those from the past that are no longer in power in our government receive some of that cryptocurrency. Just saying. Most of the times, many times, sadly, much of what our government does and tells us they're doing, not quite like they're presenting it to us. There's something really spooky going on. A local New Jersey council member, Russell Heller, was shot dead in his car exactly one week after the slaying of fellow councilwoman Eunice Dumfor. Authorities responded to calls that a person had been shot at the PSE&G facility in Franklin Township in New Jersey just after 7 o'clock yesterday morning. Heller, age 51, found shot dead outside in his car. Reports say he was a senior distribution supervisor who had been with the company for 11 years and a councilman in Milford, New Jersey, a small borough in Hunterdon County. The Milford Borough Council is deeply saddened by the loss and our hearts go out to his family. That's from the mayor, Henry Sheppens. He was so full of life. It's just unbelievable that he's gone. Something like this has never happened in borough history. We're very shaken by this. There's a suspect, Gary Curtis. He was found at 10.20 yesterday morning inside a car in Bridgewater, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Curtis was formerly a PSE and G employee who allegedly shot Heller before taking off and driving to Bridgewater, where he killed himself. That killing comes one week after the slaying of Saraville Councilwoman Eunice Dumfor, who was found dead in her vehicle, multiple gunshot wounds. No clear motive or suspect has been identified by Dumfor's death. Police are still searching for a motive for Hellish killing. The utility company has not given any indication about what if any working relationship he and Curtis had. Investigators believe the shooting was an isolated event and Heller was the intended target. Both slain council members were elected Republicans. Heller was last elected in 2020, dumped for to her first term in 2021. Now we hear all of these things talks out there about these evil white supremacists, these militants out there. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. They'll do anything to promote their hardcore semi-fascist policies and change our government. They're going to destroy our democracy. Let me just say this. I'm not trying to point to any source of liability or responsibility for these killings up there, these murders. Nor am I talking about 
the reason why. What I'm saying is evil has no political brand on it. There are evil people in the Republican Party. There are evil independents. There are evil people in the Democrat Party. Evil has existed since Adam and Eve had their first kid. In fact, evil came into existence before Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel their sons. How do I know that? Remember, in the Garden of Eden. It all began. God told Adam and Eve in the garden there was one fruit they were forbidden from eating. Eve looked at it, lusted for it, pulled it off a tree, had a bite, gave it to Adam. And they both ate it, and they knew they did wrong. So when God shows up in the garden to meet with them and talk to them, he can't find them, and he calls out. They were hiding because evil, they had adopted evil. Wow. There's plenty of that to go around. We got to stop branding evil and making it ours to decide and determine who we pass it out to. We just need to resolve the fact that there's evil everywhere. We just need to be able to identify it when it happens, when it shows up in our lives. And instead of screaming and hollering insults at people that aren't like-minded as we are, especially regarding politics, you know, just look at the people involved and pray for them and stop demeaning each other. That's the worst thing that's going on in our nation right now. And let me remind you of something. In my life, I have three generations of Americans behind me. Well, maybe not three, two, two and a half. And they're watching us. You don't think that they are involved in social media? You don't think they read and hear and listen to stuff that's going on around them? And if they're hearing and seeing and talking about it, you know it's impacting them. We're responsible for what they think. They're thinking what we let them listen to, talk about, and see And it all impacts them. Nobody has got this hard shell around them that insulates them from any of that. Shouldn't we educate our kids at early ages the difference between right and wrong and show them and teach them by our example? You know the question, answer to that. Sure we should. I mean, that's our responsibility as adults. That's our responsibility as leaders, parents, teachers, fellow employees, bosses. We all have a responsibility to those in our world. That's what we are missing. That's what we're losing in the United States of America. We used to be that bright shining city on a hill that everybody on the planet, everybody else looked at us and said, that's the way We want to live. We want to be like that. And now we have leaders in our country that are demeaning this country and trying to change its history from real history 
and edit it and make it seem like it's something different than it was actually. And when they disagree with somebody, oh my gosh, it's not like it used to be when I was a kid. We lived in a good-sized neighborhood down in Lafayette, Louisiana, and there were a bunch of different people in our neighborhood that had different ideals. They worked in different places. They, some of them were independent. Some of them were Democrats. Some of them were Republicans. Some of them weren't even anything politically. And then Catholicism is still the number one religious denomination in South Louisiana. Probably 80% of people in that subdivision were Catholics. We weren't Catholics. We had other people in that neighborhood, friends that weren't Catholics. But you know what we did not do? We did not look for and find the differences between us, other families, other friends, other adults. We didn't do that. And even when we found them out, it was like, okay, they're different from us. What are we going to have for dinner tonight? As Americans, we've got to learn. Everybody is different. Nobody is exactly alike. Everybody's got different ideals. Everybody's got different opinions. We just need to say, hey, you and I may disagree, but I'm going to do this. I'm just going to agree that we disagree and we're both going to walk our ways in that particular area of our life. If we're talking to those people, obviously we're interacting with them in some way. So we're not going to quit interacting with them. So why does it always have to be caustic? That's not what's supposed to happen. Now, Governor Sarah Huckabee of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, She gave the Republican response to the State of the Union address. And immediately after that, guess what happened? Democrats began to scream and holler about her response. One of them, the one that definitely wants to be the Democrat candidate to run for president in 2024. He's a governor right now. And he went postal on Sarah Huckabee Sanders. That's California Governor Gavin Newsom. He went to Twitter, and he tried to criticize Sanders for verbally being anti-crime while she governs a state that has one of the highest murder rates. Here's what he tweeted. While at Sarah Huckabee touts public safety, here is what she skips over. Arkansas is one of the highest murder rates in the nation. So in a swift response... Andrew Collins, who's an Arkansas state representative, he said this. One, she's been governor for a month. Two, there are drivers of crime like poverty, lack of education, and lack of opportunity that Arkansas needs to fix in order to reduce violent crime. They're generational, and they aren't unique to Arkansas. And number three, Collins said, don't trash my state. Now, Collins, by the way, he represents District 73. Now, let me tell you the names of the metropolitan cities that he has in his district. Riverdale, Pleasant Valley, 
and Pinnacle, Arkansas. I don't know about you, but when people start talking about Arkansas, now I've got a little inside track. I live probably my house is 35 miles from the Louisiana-Arkansas border. I love Arkansas. Great people. Great layout of the state. You can pretty much get anything you want. you got plains over on the east side. You've got small mountains over in the northwest. Great people. I let everybody make their own impression on me. I've always tried to do that. I don't automatically put people in a group until I interact with them on a personal level. Newsom's criticism came after Governor Sanders gave that rebuttal to Joe Biden's State of the Union address. She said the country is at a tipping point where Americans were faced with choice between normal or crazy. Being a mom to three young kids taught me not to believe every story I hear. So forgive me for not believing much of anything I heard tonight from President Biden. From out-of-control inflation and violent crime to the dangerous border crisis and threat from China, Biden and the Democrats have failed you. The choice is between normal or crazy, she said. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Democrats want to rule us with more government control. But that is not where we are. It's time for a change. So you probably remember that she served previously in the White House as the White House secretary, press secretary, during the Trump administration. She also contrasted Biden's age to her own and said he surrendered his presidency to more progressive voices in his party. At 40, she said, I'm the youngest governor in the country. At 80, he's the oldest president in American history. I'm the first woman to lead my state. He's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard-earned money on fire but you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race, but not to love one another on account of our great country. So the next day, which was yesterday, Governor Sanders unveiled a bill that proposed major overhauls to the state's education system including, by the way, the elimination of CRT, critical race theory, from schools' curriculums, offering school choice, and listen to this, raising teacher minimum wages to $50,000 a year. And that, by the way, will make them, teachers in Arkansas, $50,000 a year minimum. It'll make them one of the highest-paying nation Uh, excuse me, states in the nation paying their public school teachers. According to the CDC, Arkansas ranks fifth in homicide mortality rate. California ranks 26th. The ranking, by the way, is from 2020, the most recent year that data is available. The same data 
Shows, however, California is ranked number one in total murders, 2,368 deaths, while Arkansas is number 22, 654. Every state has problems. Every governor wants to get rid of the problems. There's no doubt about it. California. (laughs) I know a lot of people that moved to Arkansas for a lot of different reasons. They don't leave Arkansas because taxes are too high or because crime is too high. Typically, they leave Arkansas if they get a job somewhere else and it's better for them. That's kind of the reason most families move from the state they're in to other states. But I know this. You want to rent a a U-Haul trailer? If you want to rent one to move to California, whatever that price is right now, if you're moving from California to somewhere else and you are in California looking for a U-Haul trailer, the last that I heard you're going to pay as much as five or six times more than a person from Arkansas moving to California if you're moving out of it. Good luck finding a U-Haul. And hold on to your wallet. As a retired teacher, I look for ways to save money for the things I love, like traveling the world. Medicare plans change each year. Fortunately, my HealthMart pharmacist helped me understand my insurance, saving me money on prescriptions. And they can help you, too. My pharmacist cares about my health and the things I love, whatever that might be. HealthMart, caring for you and about you. Visit HealthMart.com for the locally owned pharmacy near you. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. It's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive, no drama. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo. But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity clop, clippity clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing. None of this makes sense.
Oh my gosh. You remember this song? I love this song. Came from Christopher Cross. He actually lives in Austin, Texas, and he wrote this. One of his big hits called Ride by the Wind. Ride like the wind. Their wage gains. But Joe sees you. You're not the forgotten man anymore. Don't know what happened there. Apologize for it. Anyway, I was talking about Christopher Cross and that song that uh, that he wrote, Ride Like the Wind. Yeah, I was going to let you listen to a little bit of it, but uh, I guess my mic keeps uh, glitching on me. Anyway, back to business as usual. I told you I had another sound, audio soundbite that I wanted you to listen to. And it's from... The State of the Union was supposed to be... Good grief. What's happening? Equipment failure in the engineering booth. Oh, well. We'll deal with it. Mark of a pro, whatever happens, you just deal with it when it comes up. So I told you we had some things for you to listen to that prove some things that Joe Biden says. Well, maybe we've already heard about a few things that he claimed that aren't true. But what about a few things that he does and did? And one of the things that he has been branded with in his career is plagiarizing other people. In fact, one of his previous bids to run for president, he had to withdraw from the election race campaigning because he was busted with some major plagiarizing about some really big things. Well, guess what? He's still doing it. The State of the Union was supposed to be Biden's big moment. The guy hides in Delaware and never talks to reporters, so we were eager to hear him. But we didn't hear from Biden last night because he plagiarized the speech. Joe's been plagiarizing his whole life. He got busted plagiarizing in law school. Five straight pages, word for word. (laughs) Almost flunked out because of it. I mean, he's not even smart about it. And then he runs for president and gets busted plagiarizing again. Why is it that my wife who's sitting out there in the audience is the first in her family to ever go to college? Why is Glennis the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? They didn't have a platform upon which to stand. There was no platform upon which they could stand. So he got caught plagiarizing a British guy, thought he could get away with it because it was in another country. We wouldn't notice, but we did. But that didn't stop him. He was on a roll. He plagiarized the Kennedys. Cannot measure the health of our children, the quality of our education, the joy of their play. The gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, or the joy of their play. Our generation of Americans will pay any price, bear any burden, accept any challenge and meet any hardship. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship. Last night, Joe was copying someone else's homework again. This time, he was plagiarizing ultra-mega Republicans. That's right, Trump, DeSantis, Abbott, the entire Republican Party. It wasn't word for word. He's learned his lesson. But Joe stole the populist agenda, and now he's trying to cash in on it for 2024. Listen. Jobs are coming back. Pride is coming back. 
because choices we made in the last several years. You know, this is my view, a blue-collar blueprint to rebuild America. Jobs are booming, incomes are soaring, poverty is plummeting, crime is falling, confidence is surging, and our country is thriving and highly respected again. This is a blue-collar boom. Joe's making America great again, in case you hadn't noticed. He's going after the blue-collar voters that Trump picked off in the Rust Belt, except it's not working since inflation's eating up their wage gains. But Joe sees you. You're not the forgotten man anymore. My economic plan is about investing in places and people that have been forgotten. So many of you listening to me tonight, I know you feel it. So many of you felt like you've just simply been forgotten. My constant concern is for America's children, America's struggling workers, and America's forgotten communities. The man who forgets everything says you're not forgotten. Well, what's Joe's economic plan? It's the plan that got Trump elected. For a long time, too many good-paying manufacturing jobs move overseas. We're going to create hundreds of thousands of new jobs across the country. Make no excuses for it. We're going to buy American. We're going to buy American. We can bring back our manufacturing jobs in even greater numbers and ensure that more cars are proudly stamped with our four beautiful words, made in the USA. Now, Biden was senator and vice president when we shipped the jobs and factories overseas, and he wants you to forget about that and wants credit for the jobs and factories that started coming back under Trump. And Biden, who hasn't talked about fentanyl his entire career, now has a plan. Fentanyl is killing more than 70,000 Americans a year. So let's launch a major surge to stop fentanyl production in the sale and trafficking. More than 75,000 Americans died from fentanyl-related overdoses. Political leaders at every level need to understand that every life in our country is at risk if we don't step up our game and do more. If you're going to plagiarize Republicans' words, plagiarize their actions, too. You can't just talk about stopping the poison from coming in. You have to block it. So until Joe's tightens the border, it's all talk, no action. And now Biden doesn't want to fund the police. Joe backs the blue. We know police officers put their lives on the line every single night and day. We back the law enforcement uh, from day one and have never wavered because we understand how important safe communities are. I know most cops and their families are good, decent, honorable people, the vast majority. If you want safe communities, you support law enforcement. And after saying he loved police, Biden spent the next 10 minutes bashing police. Never mentioned gangs, bail reform, drug trafficking, the breakdown of the family, none of that. But the big guy wants you to know he's going to get tough on big tech. You know, big tech, the guys who put Biden in the White House. He's going to get tough on those guys. Joe Biden, big time consumer advocate. We must finally hold social media companies accountable. It's time to pass bipartisan legislation to stop big tech from collecting personal data on our kids and teenagers online. Ban targeted advertising to children and impose stricter limits 
on the personal data that companies collect on all of us. They actually take our personal information without telling us. They sell it without our consent. They use it to manipulate us into buying things. They manipulate the information that we see, and then they tell us what we can and cannot say. So Biden plagiarizes because he's not a smart guy, never has been. Joe doesn't have thoughts of his own. That's why he carries note cards written by his staff. And when you call him out for it, he gets defensive. I have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. So is any of that true? Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. Now, I'm shocked Biden even graduated. The man doesn't even understand basic economics. The man ran on getting rid of oil and gas, said it. He said, I'm going to put oil companies out of business. Get rid of it, he said. And last night, he was shocked that oil companies thought he wanted to put them out of business. I said, we're going to need oil for at least another decade. And that's going to exceed. (laughs) And beyond that, we're going to need it. Now, Biden thinks oil companies are going to invest in new refineries when they're going to be bankrupt in 10 years. That's the kind of long term financial planning the Bidens are known for, you know, because Joe just took out a quarter million loan at age 80. Who takes out a home equity loan at 80? Is Biden going to take out a reverse mortgage soon? Now, a smart guy doesn't brag about being tough on China after the whole country saw him let a Chinese spy balloon suck up all our secrets. I'm committed to work with China where we can advance American interests and benefit the world. But make no mistake about it. As we made clear last week, if China threatens our sovereignty, we will act to protect our country. And we did. Now, Biden thinks he protected the country by shooting down China's spy balloon after they completed their mission. So Biden's tough on China. He's a border hawk who's going to take on big tech and make things in America again. God, that sounds familiar. Oh, also, did you know that Joe promised to take down Big Pharma? You know, Joe made Big Pharma more money than ever with vax mandates. But the big guy's going to save you $3 on insulin. And the big guy's also going to keep fighting for the little guy. We've written a bill to stop it all. It's called the Junk Fee Prevention Act. We're going to ban surprise resort fees that hotels charge on your bill. Those fees can cost up to $90 a night at hotels that aren't even resorts. So Joe doubled gas prices, but now we're going to save on resort fees. We can't afford to go on vacation. And if we do go on vacation, his boy Sam Brinkman's going to steal our bags. I guess you save on baggage fees when you have no bag for the return flight. So last night, Joe did his best Trump impression or DeSantis impression. Biden just plagiarized the Republican platform, slapped his name on it and said, I'm running for re-election. I'm Joe Biden and I approve Trump's message. So did the American people buy this? 
big speech last night. What you think? Honestly, it just felt amazing. What speech am I talking about? No clue. <laughs> oh, it was really good. I, I enjoyed it. What speech am I talking about? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. What idiots. Sleepy Joe actually put me to sleep. Joe Biden says the State of the Union is in great shape. What do you think? He must be on one of those rocket ships to Mars. Maybe it's great there, but it's definitely not great here. Eggs are like $30 a carton. No, everything is crazy right now. He's in a dream world. God bless her. The State of the Union is? Poor. Terrible. Needs help. I need help. I need help. Last night, Joe Biden says, and I quote, if you raise the cost of precision jobs, I will veto it. If you try anything to raise the cost of precision jobs, I will veto it. Do you know what he meant by that? I don't know what you mean by precision job. That makes no sense to me. He's garbling as usual. China is spying on us, but Joe Biden didn't even bring it up last night. Why? He wanted them to spy on, the, on us. He wants to sweep it under the rug, and he doesn't want people talking about it. He's protecting his business deals. I have to talk to China about it. He tried calling, but they didn't answer. At the voicemail. Why did the vice president's husband kiss the first lady on the lips? He was feeling her like he wants her. I'm not sure. How dare they? Obviously, he's not kissing his wife because she's got a mask on. Jill excites him more than Kamala. <laughs> Too much wine. Name one thing that you liked about Biden's speech last night. Let me just get my thoughts together. Um... Um, um, name me one. Name me one. Joe says he wants to finish the job. Do you want him to finish the job? What does finishing the job entail? Getting us all into the poorhouse? If he finishes the job, he'll finish this country. Let somebody else finish the job. No. It's a no. I drink, I eat, and drink no for breakfast. Joe Biden has now spent two years in office. What grade would you give him? A B. Like a C plus. Like a fat C. A D. An F. Can I give him a Z? Is that the lowest grade I could give him? Look it up. We're going to be on Jesse Waters Primetime. What do you want to tell Jesse? Hi. He's handsome. I think my husband won't like me to say that, but I think he's handsome. Jesse, this is my world. <laughs> Jesse Waters. Fox News, one of one of the best. He's he's really sharp. He's got a great research department. You heard a lot in that sound, that audio uh, snippet. I don't guess you call it a snippet. Anyway, there was a lot of meat in there, but it made our president not look very good. And you know what? We don't do that to demean the president. We do that to remind all Americans who we have in the White House. But there are other people that don't feel the same way. One of the greats from Louisiana, James Carville, he had some bits of wisdom for us, information that we need to know. He was on MSNBC's The Beat. And James said that Republicans' behavior during the State of the Union address was a staggering level of white trashdom. Trashdom. Well, you know, he said, I told people I have a Ph.D. in white trashology. 
you saw real white trash on display. Let me say something about Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. She dresses like white trash. She really needs a fashion consultant. I recommend George Santos. He could do a good job of dressing up where she doesn't announce her white trashdom by her own clothes and her attitude. He wasn't through. First of all, he said, their lust for cutting Social Security and Medicare is well documented. Newt Gingrich shut the government down and got defeated in the end. We know that George W. Bush tried to privatize Social Security and Medicare. We know that when Paul Ryan was Speaker and John Boehner, they did everything they could to cut Social Security and Medicare. We know that that is their objective. President Biden is 1,000% right on this, and he's right to press ahead. And I thought he had a great night. It's just the level of white trashdom in the Republican Party is staggering. I mean, for somebody that has observed it for a long time, like I have, I've never seen it manifest itself on a level that it's manifesting now. So we finished the show with words of wisdom from a man from Louisiana who his wife, and she's a very conservative Republican, his wife calls him Serpent Head, James Carville. <laughs> Have a great day, folks. We'll see you tomorrow for Friday. <laughs>